There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 160. Guys, uh, my book came out a couple months ago, and I am just now doing a reading and signing for it in Los Angeles at our Nerd Melt space. I know! It's two months old. It's probably not exciting anymore for anyone. If it ever was! But the point is, uh, I am going to do a reading at Nerd Melt Monday, January 23rd, starting at 7.30. Um, there's going to be uh, a Q&A. There's going to be a signing afterwards. There's going to be a party. Uh, Farmer John is sending this big hot dog truck. Um, it's it's a truck that serves hot dogs. It's not literally a truck made out of hot dogs, which would also be pretty awesome. Um, but uh, that because you could just eat it, you could just roll, you could just like ride by and then just snack on the side of it in traffic and then just keep going and be sated with um, with delicious hot dogs. There's also going to be a little party and stuff, and it's going to be fun, you guys. So if you want to go to that, and it's before January 23rd, send an email to rsvp at Inc. PR Group, INKPRGroup.com. If his work schedule ends up permitting, I believe there might be a Wheaton there moderating the QA. Uh, so it is possible there could be Will Wheaton moderating the QA if his work schedule permits, which we won't know till Monday. But there you go. Say, are you on Google Plus? I am, a lot. So uh, find me on Google Plus. I'm just Chris Hardwick. I just made it easy. Chris Hardwick on Google Plus. Put me in your circle! And now, the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 160, with our good friend, Mr. Graham Elwood. Graham Elwood! Now entering Nerdist.com. <laughs> I'm ashamed. So that was one of the Gulf Wars. He's back. Rick Dees is back. Disco Duck is back. Yeah, he's doing a new one. Uh, emo Duck. Dees Borns. That's funny. Dees Borns. That's right. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, Graham Elwood. Look at your punchline Sacramento t-shirt. How about it, guys? Yeah. Do, am I a road comic? Do I like yeah. a free t-shirt? I don't know. <laughs> most, of, most of my t-shirts com- are comprised of free t-shirts. All of them. I yes. was, every Twice a year, I got to go through and... Here, aim this. It's got to aim at your mouth like a gun. Oh, there we go. God, that's These a, mics aren't great. You've been to Afghanistan. You've had guns aimed at your face before. <laughs> my mouth. That needs to aim at your mouth like a gun. First of <laughs> all, 
Graham Elwood on the Nerds Podcast is long overdue. I apologize. I love your show, Comedy Film Nerds, oh, thanks, that uh, you and Chris Mancini do, which I have done before. Uh, yes, you guys, it's great. you are comedy film nerds. I haven't. I would have shit on something. You have to get my, <laughs> you have to get Myra on to shit on something. Uh, but um, but you know what what I what's been really impressive about you is in the last couple of years, you you've really taken on the cause of like. You know, you went you went to Afghanistan to perform. You saw some shit there that you were like, "This doesn't seem <laughs> like what should be happening at all." And it's 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 something that was really important to you. And I remember one of the first times you came back from from performing in Afghanistan, you were really kind of shaken up about it. It was, you know, and uh, <laughs> it was. I, it's I'm like it's I'm always a little bit of a loss for words because it's so much. It's so overwhelming. Um, the first time I went, I was asked by Mike Burton as a comic out of Chicago to I go. I know Mike. Yeah. And um, he was like, hey, you want to go over there? And I heard some comics. This is, this is summer of 2004. I'm like, yeah, you know, all right. Ever since 9-11, like a lot of people, I was like, I got to do more. You know, I felt like a, an asshole for just not participating enough or whatever. And I was like, yeah, let's go over there. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Absolutely no idea. And so um, that's kind of the, the the documentary I made. Afghanistan. Just I just brought a camera because I was like, okay, let's 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 see it. And I don't come from a military family. I have no military training, you know, um, which I'm probably surprising to you in a lot. Of <laughs> 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 With those karate moves, <laughs> um, this tight comedy club T-shirt, you would assume that I was a SEAL. Uh, and so it was like. It, it was crazy. And then the first trip was, was like, oh my God, was, was nuts. The first helicopter I was on started shooting at something. Oh. Uh, and then, you know. <laughs> For reals, were they like, nah, we're just fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to get to business while they're transporting you. Yeah. I mean, you're in a, you're in a war zone. So there's two 30 cal machine guns sticking out of the window of the Blackhawk. So it's <laughs> like. Are you doing a tight five in the Blackhawk? Oh, totally. Yeah. Dude. I'm doing a Blackhawk five. Huh. Yeah. I see I'm getting yeah. the gun. I'll just uh, yeah. wrap this up with this last joke. Forgot to do it over the radio, though, so no one could hear you. Yeah, <laughs> but we're going to do it again. Farts are weird, right, guys? No. Oh, men I and women. Farts are weird. Farts are weird. Men and women are different <laughs> on the battlefield. <laughs> I said, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> palm. What? I said <laughs> palm. <laughs> Grease him. You know when you wake up with a boner? <laughs> a boom! <laughs> I'm shot! I'm shot! <laughs> that just sounds... So, I mean, first of all, first of all, it's amazing to me that people every day, you know, put themselves in in a situation like that for a a cause that is greater than them. And whether or not you, you know, whether or not someone supports the sure. ultimate cause, the idea that people are devoted to um, c committing their lives to to something that they believe in is is that's the that's the thing. Like it it. it not that I w was completely like, not like my political views were suddenly 180 degree flip or anything like that. But you really go, you know, you, when you see it up close, these people, and again, regardless of if you are for or against whatever, to see people who are like, I'm signing up, I'm going, it's an all volunteer army. Like, I don't buy any of that when that in 04 or 05, they're like, oh, backdoor draft bullshit. You signed up. If you sign up for the reserves in your contract, it says, guess what, friend? At any point, <laughs> you're going somewhere. If you're signing a contract, read some of the fine print about fine what, print. what can happen. And, you know, when you're in a 12-week uh, boot camp learning how to shoot, they might ask 
can't actually use that. Yeah. No, no, no. I fix planes. No, no, don't be like, what? They tricked me. No, no. Don't join the Marines, maybe. How's that sound? <laughs> right. oh. oh. Do you start your sets with, I'm going to turn those Blackhawk frowns upside down? <laughs> Uh, yes, okay, Jonah, that's exactly how I start every show. I'm gonna turn those. So, so what was this? So, what it. happened to you the first time that you? Well, it's like the I, I always put it this way. There's 50 things that happen to you in a day over there that any one of them on their own would be you're never gonna believe what happened. That kind of a story, and so they just fly at you. The whole thing is just. Is is overload. First of all, it's eleven and Afghanistan is eleven and a half hour time difference. Oh, so, that alone. I mean, come on. You, yeah. It's like you know, it's horrible. It's like you're used to going to bed at night, but then and now it's morning. What do I do? How did you How did you do that? They didn't mm. have soy milk. What? It's horrible. I hate this place, guys. Nobody. There's no. I need the iPhone prong. I need mm. the iPhone prong. There's no app at this base. Can you? Um, <laughs> so, the whole trip though. <laughs> The whole trip still starts. My point is you start just you're tired. You're sleep deprived. Everything's turned upside down just in terms of your physical well. How long does it take to get to Afghanistan? And how many different how 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 do you get to Afghanistan? Well, in this particular tour, we flew commercial to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. And then we we're stuck in Frankfurt for like a day or two, which is like my first taste of military hurry up and wait. Where they're just like, nope, not getting on this plane. But I'm the comedian. We're here to uh-huh. Have a seat. We'll let you know, like, some shit went down or these, this, you know, we got to send medical guys, to, whatever. So it's like standby. You're just oh, on standby. Yeah. I would imagine a, I would imagine a hardcore military person does not want a pussy civilian. No, they so don't. <laughs> I need to get on this plane. I don't think uh, you understand how important this is. I'm um, tired. I just want to sit down. I've hosted basic cable game shows. <laughs> Perhaps you gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I saw Cram. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> yeah. Strip poker sucked. Sit down. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, you you just you fly commercial, then you're stuck in Frankfurt, and then you're in the military's care. And then we flew on a C seventeen, uh, which is the biggest uh, transport. It's like a jet, about seven hours from Frankfurt to Kyrgyzstan, and it's this this giant tube that can carry Humvees and tanks and shit. Oh, so one like the back the back of the plane yep. goes down. It's like a ramp. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then there's like literally and they just like shit people out and yeah. vehicles out at the Eat yeah. it, comedy queer. And they kick <laughs> out the right. Learn to fly. Hey, here's something funny for you. <laughs> Pull a right cord. What did he say? <laughs> um, it was it was so you know, and you're in this tube and there's little the windows are literally about the you know, like the size of a softball that you can see out. So you're in this weird tube flying in the middle of Central Asia. And then, so everything about it is just upside down, and you just everything's uncomfortable. And then you get to Kyrgyzstan, and then what we was the, what was the movie? The movie was I think it was Training Day. Oh, no, nice. I, it was, <laughs> 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 no, it was Meet the Fockers. Yeah, yeah. Um, heavily it was edited. Under siege two. Under siege two. 
It was fire down under, right? Hey, it wasn't that just the cook? Hey, um, I'm gonna kill you in your own Under Siege kitchen. Two is the train, right? Was it? I, I think thought so. that was the Under Siege One. No, no. Siege. Oh, okay. No, one of them was a boat, then a train, then a uh, Greyhound bus, then yeah. a and then a then buffet. A, then a merry-go-round. The They're just on a merry-go-round, <laughs> and he's got to walk from one end of the merry-go-round to the other. Yeah. Then yeah. a series of pneumatic tubes in a bank. Yeah, he manages to get to. Been hijacked in a bank from the. Are you? Are you? You know, are are you freaked out at this point, or do you, is there something about you that's like, well, you know, I'm with the military. It's probably okay. At this point, in Kyrgyzstan, like Frankfurt and Kyrgyzstan, I was like, wow. I was still in the like, man, this is going to be a crazy journey. And then when we land in Afghanistan, it's three in the morning, and I'm just like, and then it was kind of hit me. I'm in Afghanistan, and they just throw your bags on a pallet, and there's this pile, and there's rocks and everywhere. And it wasn't like I landed and I heard gah, 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 in the background. Or oh, could you like not that. throw that down? I, my moisturizer's oh, in there. Oh, I'm sorry. I literally, and I had some like hippie face cream moisturizer. It was just so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. It was so embarrassing. I think those trips have made me less of a Hollywood pussy. I'll right. say that. That's one thing that's changed. I would imagine. I haven't noticed, but. Well, <laughs> wait, a, wait a minute. That sounded like an insult. I'm sorry. Um, so three in the morning, you get to Afghanistan. Three in the morning, the guy's like, hey, I'm going to show you where you're sleeping. You're going to get a couple hours sleep. And then you're on a helicopter. So that's it's that's that's how it is now all of a sudden. And you're just you get a couple hours sleep and we I was the first tour I was with with Pete Johansson and then we were talking to this kid and he's got uh and a lot of stuff is in the movie and he's showing us his wound. I got shot, you know, and this is where the bullet went through my body armor, so it just nicked me. And I mean, and you're just like then at that point I was like I'm in a war zone. Yeah. This is not a movie. This is not a joke. This is not, I'm not at a base in the States. This is like, you know, guys getting, and you say shit like, and you, and you'd say stuff like, like crybaby civilian stuff like, God, I only got four hours sleep last night. And they're like, wow, lucky you. Yeah. Cause they're just like, you know, like if you watch generation kill, that was excellent. I mean, that was a hardcore specific unit about going into, in the initial invasion in Iraq, but in terms of the lack of sleep and stuff, and that's where it starts. You start talking to guys and, oh, this guy got shot and we got hit over here. And, and then the first helicopter ride I was on started shooting at something. And it's just like, there's a, the, I've never been on a helicopter. And the first one I was on was like, ga, 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 you know, and there's a gunner that's, you know, three feet from me and spent shells are hitting me in the face. Oh. And I was just like, those are hot. They're so sweet. <laughs> um, oh, you mean temperature. Um, is that, it's gotta be kind of a weird feeling though. Just like, you know, is this guy shooting at people? I don't, or, you know I mean? You're strapped into the, they just strap you in this yeah. and then, and then they're flying around doing their shit and they're just like, you know, they just strap you in the back and like, let us do our yeah. shut up. Like they're just you're just cargo. Yeah. So she stop it. Yeah. Stop. Did, did you, did, was there any part of you at that moment was like, all right, if I die right now, I feel like I might be okay with that because I'm doing something that I feel like is, you know, like I'm I'm actually I mean, it's obviously, right. you know, to go to Afghanistan and, and perform, to, you know, to, to bring comedy to people who put their lives at risk every day, you and probably we, feel like, hey, what I'm doing is a little more important than what I would have been yeah. doing back home. I, the first trip, this first trip on, on, on 04, I was just too freaked out. I was just like, oh, we get to this base. I'm like, the second time I went in 06, um, 
which was even more intense. We saw even more intense stuff. I was on another helicopter that even got into a longer firefight and we released flares, which is countermeasures, which I found out later is like, oh, that's when you're targeted by a rocket. Oh, oh. so that could have been blown out of the sky. Uh, April 27th, 2006. Not that I've ever forgotten that. Wow. Um, not that that date's important to me. Sure. should have um, yelled. Can't we just talk to them guys? Uh, <laughs> is that reasonable? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Albert Brooks's comedy in the Muslim world. I think I can figure this out. Comedy in quotes. Remember when that yeah. guy tried to reason? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the film nerd in me. Yeah. The film nerd can't rest. The film nerd in me can't rest. Remember the... Uh, Remember the guy tries to tries to reason with Hans Gruber and Die Hard. Like, yeah. listen, Hans, Hansy buddy, listen, I, I got something you got. That's my favorite cokehead in any movie. He's, He's a great cokehead, and he was uh, a director. He directed the movie High School High. Oh, um, High School High. Oh, he directed John that. Yeah, yeah. Hart Hart Brockner or something like that. You are he a was, film nerd. Yeah. In the, well, I was an extra on that movie, Cop Number Twelve. You might remember me, Matt. Oh, How man. are you? Oh, that was great. <laughs> uh, I really like your interaction with nineteen. Well, that there's a like a like a guy from like the, the Zucker <laughs> Abrams. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was in. It was they were. It was they were still doing the Zucker Abrams style in the nineties. Was it was, Pat Proft? Because Pat Proft like branched off and did like. Pat Prof did like real genius and like he branched off and did a couple of really great 80s you No, know, this was bad. This was bad, like Zucker style yeah. ripoff. Uh, yeah. It was just basically it's like they probably couldn't have they couldn't get Leslie Nielsen to be in this this yeah. one. Because that was like when Leslie Nielsen was doing Spy Hard. Right. And um yeah, there was, was a couple other just like you know. Six. Like he took the Zucker acting stuff to like other movies. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. was '96, like '90. My, the, yeah. yeah, my first year in LA. Halle Berry, right? Isn't she in that? Oh uh, God, she might have been. It was John Lovitz, and yeah, might have been. It was yeah, and it was a parody of um, uh, all those movies like Juice ha- and uh, and uh, what's the uh, the one the, the school one? Uh, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds. Yeah, it yeah. was a it was a spoof. Stand of and all, deliver. Yeah, of all those like in the hood school gang movies yeah it was, it was spoofing that so um anyway yeah to answer your question <laughs> anyway 2006 <laughs> afghanistan yeah, yeah. they released flares yeah, so we're targeted the release of high school in high. the That's sky remember it. <laughs> seconds <laughs> away from death oh but do you know who played the janitor in zapped <laughs> was scatman Crothers. Yeah, yeah. wait what the fuck Scat- scatman Crothers. <laughs> also in the shining also oh, in the shining, shining. Uh, yeah, so the second time I was, I, my second trip over there in that particular helicopter ride, I did have this epiphany of, we had just done, that, that trip was with Shay Tosh, and we had just done a base the night before in Jalalabad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you made that up. It did. It, it did. sounds like a comedy town. It yeah. is. Yeah. Jalalabad. What do you guys, yeah, yeah. is this it the goes, funny bone of Jalalabad? Oh Jalalabad, <laughs> and then it goes Walla Walla, oh Washington. Oh my, uh, oh my, uh, opening, uh. And a one-nighter in Jalalabad. Jalalabad, is that what I'm doing? Br- 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 what was the next night where you went Talibans? Was it in Kyrgyzstan? <laughs> was that show on the Al Jazeera network? <laughs> go, go. Um, so I, uh, yeah, that was one where actually, Chris, I did have that moment. We had just done a show the night before, and we got into a 45-minute firefight. Um and and I was. It was just, an hour with commercials. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I tebowed it. Um, so that was one where I was like, okay, well, last night I did a show in front of a bunch of Marines at this small little outpost. Uh, my family knows I love them. Maybe this is my day. Maybe even if I die somewhere in Afghanistan, I will have died a noble death. I mean, literally, that was all I could do because I had no control over the situation. There's nothing I can do. Right. Uh, and I was like. 
all right, man. You know, and I came back from that one and, uh, you know, we saw some kids getting operated on and stuff and there was coffins on our returning C-17 back to Kyrgyzstan. And it was just like, uh, you know, Shema tells a story. We were, we were, you know, we basically sleep in the same tent every night where I, I had some like ah, ah, nightmare in the middle of the night. And she's like, Graham, Graham. And I was like, what? And she's like, are you all right? I was like, oh, fuck, that was crazy. And uh, I dreamed I was in Afghanistan. Oh my yeah, God! Yeah. I'm here. Or oh, you're safe in <laughs> yeah, rack zoom. Yeah, <laughs> here in good old 1955. 1955. Yeah. So it was. It was. That was one of those experiences. When I came back from that one, is when it's. I was like, I had all this footage, and I was like, we just got to get this movie made. And I sort of kind of unplugged my. That's probably when you might have talk to me when I was just sort of floating around. And well, was, you said, you said, I remember specifically some of the stories you were telling that, you know, that there were, um, <laughs> there was a lot of suicide watch on this base. You said there were a lot of people whose tours got extended and were just like, you said these soldiers just on the phone sobbing to their relatives uh, saying like, I, I don't want to be here anymore and we have to be here. And, and you wanted, you said that there, you were supposed to perform in sort of a remote at a remote base. Oh, this was the 07. And they wouldn't let you because it was... Oh, yeah. Uh, and so... Or they were going to let you and someone else was like, ah, you probably don't want to go on that. And oh, then... Yeah. So you said, oh, I'm just going to perform on the base here for everyone. And, and some, you know, like some uh, some uh, official was like, no, nah, you can't. You're like, yeah, but I'm here. They want a show. Can I just perform here? No, nope, there's no paperwork. Oh, man. God, yeah. I haven't told this story, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was in 07. We went back, and there was four of us on this trip, and uh, the guy who, who set the tour up goes, Graham, you know, none of these people have ever been before. This is your third time, so you're sort of in charge of it. And we got there, and I was anticipating, like, the prior two trips of of flying to just about every base and only taking maybe one brief little caravan. And we get there, and they're like, now all the, all the aircraft is being used— so you guys are going to have to take, you guys are going to have to car drive in, uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on the term, uh, not caravan, but... Um, convoy. Convoy, yes. <laughs> we got a, there's a convoy. We got a great big convoy, ain't yeah. you beautiful sight? Put the hammer down. <laughs> um, great Chris, Chris Christopherson movie from the 70s. <laughs> yes, I remember Convoy. It can't stop. Great movie. When trucker, when trucking for some reason in the 70s well, was, was like really, you had your Smokey and the Bandit, then you had yeah. your, you know, your Cannonball Run series later on. It was all just because of CBs. Yeah, it was because of CBs. Yeah. When yeah. was that? And bikers became, they were like, they're cool. No, yeah. these are fucking <laughs> meth head rapists. This is horrifying. <laughs> these guys aren't cool. Like, this is Convoy yeah. could have been called meth head rapist train. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're going to pick up runaways at rest stops and their bodies. Bodies are never going to be found. These guys are great. Convoy. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we got ourselves a convoy. Con breaker, breaker, one nine. I got a deposit of dead fish, which means you have to get rid of a body. <laughs> Who wants some human trafficking, convoy? <laughs> breaker, breaker. We got a <laughs> breaker, breaker. Got some blood diamonds working on in. What? These guys are awful people. Oh, now they coach at Penn State. I got some. Anyway. So yeah, that trip. So they said, you guys are going to convoy everywhere. And I was like, okay. Two of the comics were like, I am not comfortable with this. Nobody said about doing all, because this was 07. So a lot of the resources from Afghanistan had already been diverted to Iraq. The escalation in Iraq was, we were at about 180,000 troops at that time in Iraq. There was only about 30 some thousand in Afghanistan at the time. So Afghanistan was spread very thin. And, uh, 
you know, because of the two wars and the and everything, the uh, enlistment was down. So that was actually you were right. The that was when they extended people's tours without really telling them. They just said it's oh twelve to now fifteen months, mm-hmm. and they were just like what? Like I've you know I've done everything for this country. Now they're giving me an extra three months. So so tensions were high and resources were very limited in Afghanistan. So this guy who was a DOD contractor was like, no man. This is it. And, and, and so two comics are like, we don't feel comfortable with this. And this other comic, uh, Adam Hammer, um, was like, Graham, we got you know, to go. We got to do this. You know, I've never done this. I, I feel bad. I was like, all right, Adam, well, I'm sort of responsible for you. And then we talked to this DOD guy, and he was kind of a dick about it. And he was just like, look, man, I don't, you know, I don't care. I'll send you. And like, I can't remember what he said, but he said a couple things that I was like, you are not making me feel safe <laughs> at all. You know? And I'm like, are you going on these convoys with us? No. And he was just a, he was kind of a dick. And, um, and the other two were like, the other two comics were like, we're not doing this. Flat out, we're not doing this. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I'll send you guys home because we get paid a little bit of money, not a lot. Sure. Like less than what you would make on the road. Sure. And so they were like, he's like, well, then you guys won't get paid. And we were just like, so this is about money? Like we don't, we're not here for money. And then I just thought about it and, and I just said, if I say yes to this and something happens to Adam, then I'm responsible and I couldn't live with myself. Yeah. So I said, we're not going to do this. But I said, we'll do shows on the base for free. And he was like, nope. And so we were just walking around the base and that's when I was in the phone center and listening to guys. One guy slams down the phone. He's like arguing with his girlfriend or wife and he's crying and he's fighting. And it's just like, and this other guy's like, they keep fucking extending our tours. And, and mm. I was like... You know, so it was brutal because IEDs were getting more and more. The, uh, Al Qaeda was was moving to Afghanistan because they knew there was less there, so they were bringing. When I was there in 04 and 06, IEDs weren't that big of an issue. They were a big issue in Iraq, but 07 they started to become a big issue. So everyone was terrified about convoys, and I I I probably would have, I probably would have done it had it just been me or the other comics would have said, yeah, let's all do it. But I didn't, and it was brutal. And I came back, and it was it was you know, one of the more tougher decisions I've had to make in my life. But going over there um, is like, I sort of uh, plugged, unplugged from Hollywood a little bit and was like, I stopped auditioning for hosting stuff and, it doesn't yeah. seem as important it anymore. Really, it was yeah. really hard. I remember my, my, you come back from Afghanistan and they give you sides. You're like, yeah. all right, who's going to yeah. answer which cards are in the deck yeah. today? And then everything was was switching over to reality shows, too. Like, game shows were kind of fading and everything was so it was like even worse. It was just right. like, well, who's going to date this whore, you know, uh, or whatever. And you do, do you come back and do you come back into America and do you feel like that there is there's just sort of a, uh, a a sheen that's gone where you're like you guys don't fucking have any and you you hear someone arguing about a latte in a Starbucks or whatever and you're like you fucking people don't have any goddamn clue it's anytime a comic has come to me who said hey man I was offered to go do a show overseas Graham and I know you've gone what do you think and I said don't go unless you're ready to be changed fundamentally fundamentally as a person because you come back and that's exactly right Part of me was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm back in America. It's so nice. Everything's so nice. The running water and everything's comfortable. But then you just, you do see that. It is hard to to care because America, for all of its problems, is Disneyland. Sure. It's fucking Disneyland, man. And especially when you've seen a war-torn third world country like Afghanistan. I mean, Iraq had an infrastructure. And while Iraq is certainly not perfect, Afghanistan is hundreds of years behind. I mean... Hundreds of years. Kabul, the largest city, the capital, its sewer system is an open trench. 
Shit. So there's a shit creek that goes through downtown Kabul. <laughs> They're probably still on dial-up too, right? Oh, God, it's horrible. That's what was the original name for Dawson's Creek? <laughs> shit creek? Yeah. They didn't get ESPN too. I'm like, these guys are dicks. Um, so, yeah, you come back and you do hear someone complaining about a latte. Or, or you hear yourself go, oh, I don't get cell phone coverage. And you're like, wait a minute, dude. <laughs> like, I've stopped myself. A oh, bunch yeah, of I don't. Uh, I would never uh, complain <laughs> about it. Uh, <laughs> you're right. I mean, who, who would do that? I mean, who would do that, when, Graham? When would the nerdist complain about technology? I mean, that, would, that would never happen. You know, just because. I mean, look, you probably have a better chance of getting AT&T coverage in Afghanistan than America. Oh. But that's fine. I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> if they don't get the new iPhone in Afghanistan, I mean, listen, I, I you know I make jokes, but 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 I have tremendous amount of respect for what you what for what you did because, I mean, I honestly, I, I mean, I have had that thought many times, like, would I go if they and and you know. I've, 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 I'm sad to admit that I've sort of been relieved that no one's asked that I haven't <laughs> had to make the decision because part of me would be like, you gotta go. Like you have to, I mean, like if these people asked, are, you gotta go, you yeah. gotta go. But then the other part would be like, what are you doing? You're a pussy. It is the, I mean, there is no bullshit over there. It is life and death. And yes, here Oh, there's always that sort of, it's sort of almost like a theory, like, oh, any of us could die any day, which is true, but it's not so in your face. Not, not by fucking mortar yes, fire no. or, you know, like, you, yeah, you might get hit by a bus. Yeah. But those you, are, but you could also win the lottery. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> there's no lottery in Afghanistan. No, no, yeah. Lots just, of buses. Yeah. Lots of buses. The lottery in Afghanistan is like the, the short story, The Lottery, <laughs> where <laughs> you might get shit thrown, to, thrown at you to death. I mean, I remember being in Iraq uh, in Thanksgiving of 07, and I was sitting outside. It was the end of the tour, and we were staying at one of Saddam's uh, former palaces. So I'm staying at a palace. It was really weird. I Iraq is a completely different ballgame because it's like there was money and an infrastructure there. Um, and all of a sudden, you hear vroom, off in the distance, and then all of a loudspeaker, incoming, incoming, oh, seek fuck. cover. And then I heard literally <laughs> over Whoa. my head. And I was like, that noise, like, was one of the more, I felt so powerless and terrified. And I was like, oh, I get PTSD. Mm -hmm. I get guys coming back here just being like fucking jumpy and like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I mean, cause I've definitely felt that. I well, mean, if you have to be in that mode constantly and you're accessing those very deep, deep, deep centers of your brain, like the most basic survival, I'm not ever safe. I mean, I don't know how you, I, I don't know how anyone shakes that off. I'm so, my, my, and one of the things like I, I'm hoping that this, you know, this movie, I don't know, we'll, I, I didn't make it to get famous, but I'm hoping that it, that people at least, um, I just hit your mic. That's all right. Your mic was talking shit. Put it in its place. <laughs> um, so Mike is I, our intern. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> um, so it was, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about, the, the percentage of PTSD, of soldiers coming back. You know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who've been deployed over the last 10 years. And because I'm like, if I have two weeks of telling dick jokes and I'm a little, I'm a little high strung or I'm a little yeah. freaked out, a year of deployed, in a, in especially in a forward base if you're infantry. Yeah. I mean, it's rocket attacks and gunfire every fucking day, man. And seeing friends die. And I've had so many soldiers come up and talk to me when you do shows over there you always see some kid hanging around and you're like now i've been over enough to go okay I, I know i need to talk to this guy and they start telling you and then they're oh man we had a bad day last month and 
you hear the stories and it's like, it's amazing. And like, and, and a lot of credit needs to be given in terms of comics. I, I, I always got to mention Scott Kennedy has been over there like 50 times. Oh, I know Scott. Yeah. He's, he was going over there. He had two nephews who were in the Marines who were in the initial invasion and he got emails and stuff from them about what they were going through. And he's like, all right, I got to go do shows. And so he's the three times I've been to Iraq has been with Scott. And so we've, we've heard the stories that they tell you, man, the stuff that they've, that they've been through themselves and, the, and, and getting back to the PTSD thing, it's, it's, it's a real issue. And, you know, there's this difficult situation that the military has in the sense that if you say you've got PTSD, sometimes you get special duty or extra pay. So there's guys hmm. juking the system. And then a lot of guys that act and women as well, men and women who also, who really have it then are like, you know, suck it up. Yeah. So it's, so it's this really like, how do you know, you know, and I've heard some infantry guys go, I thought PTSD was bullshit until I saw this or my friend, or I had this reaction, you know, um, because that's the military, especially infantry is suck it up. Yeah. I don't, what you had an yeah. hour. I don't give a shit what you let's, let's go. It's game on. And so no one wants to talk about it, and and then the the and I and I believe it's a very small percentage of people that are juking the system. But there's a big thing of of it's hard. It's, you don't talk about it. So when you go over there as an entertainer, they talk to you because you're not in the military. You're not a journalist. You're this funny civilian that just that just eased up their day for a little bit, and then they feel and they tell you stuff, and it's like, and then after shows in the states, because I talk about it a little bit here, I've had numerous soldiers and families and come up to me, and people with prosthetic limbs, and oh, I lost my son or daughter over there. It's like such an intense. It's 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 hard to it's 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 permeated every aspect of my life. I've known you for a long time, and I I've seen you I've seen you go from. Uh like quick joke telling style to just going up on stage at comedy death ray well, now comedy bang bang but in the old comedy death ray days and literally just like punching the mic stand and <laughs> fucking around almost not even saying anything and and people just fucking folded over laughing for 15 yeah. minutes straight if there's a stool there's going to be a standing ovation <laughs> <laughs> Thunderstrike or whatever you say. Palm strike. Thunderstrike. Is that a That's awesome. Thunderstrike. But you know palm strike and uh, but you know, so how has, first of all, I want to know how this has changed your comedy. And second of all, I want to know what a typical show is like. Uh, over there? It, it, over there, yeah. Well, and with, to answer the question about how it changed my comedy, specifically, one of the things that fueled me going to Death Ray and just being like, fuck it. I'm going to just go on stage and go crazy was I came back from those, like right when death Ray, the M bar and everything was, was blowing up was Oh four. Mm -hmm. And I was there in Oh four and Oh six and Oh seven. So right in that time period when it was really the alternative scene was all those shows were getting big. And I just was sort of, I, I enjoyed being an entertainer, but also, you know, like we were talking about, I come back in Hollywood and, Oh man, this is a big showcase. And I don't fucking care. You know, and 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 comics, you know, they've they've got their set list and hey, that's great. That's how you want to work. And and you know, I just see comics reading their set list or taking themselves too seriously. And I was just like, I have seen war. You paid five dollars to get into this show. I I people I people I've seen people, you know, and it's young people in their young twenties, and I appreciate them coming off the show, but it's like the last show I did in front of people in your young 20s, they all had fatigues and weapons. So you Hollywood kid with a T-shirt and a scarf on, I'm going to terrify you. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to challenge you a little bit in a fun way. But but when some of those audiences would would be like, 
a little too judgmental in my opinion. Like, well, you know, we're hipsters and we'll laugh. And, and I saw co some comics be like, oh shit, I hope this crowd doesn't. And I was like, you're worried about this crowd? I hope they don't write bad things about me on the message yeah. boards. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to threaten their lives. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of what my approach was like. I'm not, I'm not scared of you, Hollywood hipsters and message boards. Right. I've had rockets shot at me. So it's kind of game on. And it was, yeah. it was all in fun and it was playful. And it was also like, you do come back with all this like raw, crazy emotion. And that was like one place where I'm like, I can just let this out. Mm -hmm. Like, and the fact that the audience actually loved it was so much fun. Well, I think, I think what those audiences, I think what they respond to is, is, you know, at least some form of honesty in a performance. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, like with, with the hipster crowd, with that, the comedy nerd crowd, I guess I should say, not, mm -hmm. not necessarily the hipsters, but with the com hipsters don't like anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, but with the comedy nerd crowd, I think they just want to see honesty. And so right. I think that's why they respond badly to standard, like, like if when sure. people come in and talk to them, like they're a club, then people see through it and they're like, okay, you're not being honest right now. Yeah, and I can yeah. sense that yeah. you're just, you're just reciting a bunch of lines. Yeah, that when you memorize. They, when they can tell that they're not really in that room even it might yeah. be a hologram, but I, I exactly yeah. like you're right. They're doing their, they're doing their act that they could be anywhere. I think yeah. you can do anything pretty much and say anything within that, within that small little cluster of the comedy community i think they just want to see you. honesty they just want to see you being you know saying something that you care about or doing and so you know when you go up there and you're actually expressing this this raw emotion which is coming from a very real place then i think it reads as like oh fuck yeah i mean this is this is this is something that this guy is just nuts it just yeah. has that it just has that organic quality that right. you can't you can't uh you can't intellectualize it it just right. it just it just has that thing because it's coming from that place well, yeah, and I, I, I do, I do, I do agree with you, and I, I want to, you know, I know there's a lot of comedy nerds listening to the show, and, and I, I, yes, I do appreciate that aspect of those shows of like if it's honest. I, I, I was always sort of critical of those, some of those shows, but I had, I did have so much fun, and I did, I, I do love. I haven't performed there in a while, but like you say, the fact that if if you're just being honest, then they do love it, and I do like the fact that those shows. And the crowd wanting honesty motivated a lot of comics to challenge themselves because, you know, you do a lot of road and sometimes you can just sort of fall into a, you know, I got two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. I'm going to go up there. Yeah, you go into autopilot yeah. a little bit because you're, that's, that's kind of how you survive those because yeah. it is such a tremendous amount of energy to, yeah. you know, to be on stage two, three hours a night. A night. And, and really kind of directing the, you know, the, the crowd. Obviously, you're not having rockets shot at you at the, you know, at, at, at Acme in Minneapolis, but but it's still, uh, or at least I hope words, not. Words can hurt just as much. Yeah. <laughs> Stop, guys, don't fire word rockets at me. Word rockets. That's a word rocket. Can we just get out of our emotional Blackhawk for a second and just all talk like people? Word rocket man. <laughs> our emotional Blackhawk. Yeah. Um, so oh. what were, so what were the typical what were these typical shows like? At, you know, when you're when you're going to these remote bases. Well, you know, you, you always do some big bases and the big bases are, are big fun shows and the small bases are a whole nother thing. And I love doing the small bases more because I've done shows. I mean, you do some shows, you're standing on a flatbed truck in front of 25 guys mm -hmm. or they're, they're standing. They don't have a place to sit. Like I did one show and this is in the documentary too. It was under the small base Tarrant in the South of Afghanistan. It was hot. It was like 105 degrees and there's like a... But a dry heat. But a dry heat. It's great. <laughs> and uh, there's like, yeah, there's an inch and a half of like 
moon dust, basically. That's that's every that's on everything. It covers everything. And the base was in their quote unquote mess hall, which was a camo netting tent outside with tables that they stood at. They didn't sit when they ate. And you're doing the show standing on a table. And if we were lucky, we'd have a microphone plugged into like one little speaker. If we were lucky, there's plenty of shows I did without. And then you're doing shows and there's at the smaller bases that there it's mostly infantry. You get those guys with that thousand yard stare. Yeah. That are just like, they're sitting there with their arms folded and not arms folded like some dick at the Columbus funny bone. Like, is this guy funny? Mm. But arms folded like, I've just been through an amazing amount of shit. I haven't slept in 30 hours and I, I can't even, they, they're just looking right through you, man. Yeah. Because they're yeah. literally, those, those hardcore infantry guys are like, if you're not in my unit, I don't know who the fuck you are and I do not care. Right. And you're performing for them and the first couple times I did it, I was like, it was an adjustment. I didn't know how to communicate with them. And again, this is part of what the... the and certainly, you, don't, you can't blame them for that. Not at all. <laughs> you, I just feel like an asshole. I'm like, I'm this fucking pussy Hollywood dick. Yeah. You know, like, what you guys like? What, you watch no. this on the news? What? what? Start huh? yourself with, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you know, you feel like you're not doing enough and you feel like, God, I felt like such a baby or whatever. And so, um, but then the small bases... Then they come up and, and they all the soldiers thank you at every base, which is an amazing thing. They're thanking you, and it's such a humbling. You're really like, really? Like, <laughs> you carry a gun. I'm leaving in five days. You know what I mean? I'll be on a, back in, in L.A., you know, um, bitching about my lattes and my cell coverage. Right. And But then they thank you. And like and that, that, that one base, that first, like, Taren Cow, that, and then they lined up and shook, all, of us, all of them shook our hands. Like, whether they even thought it was funny or connected or whatever, they were just like, hey, thanks. Like the fact that you would come out to the middle of nowhere and the first ever, um, they call, I think they're like challenge coins or whatever, like each unit has like a really nice coin and the, the commanding officer will give that to you in a handshake. And they do it to soldiers who've done like something amazing and you might get one or two in a 20 year career and then, so they gave, the first one I ever got was from the 25th Infantry. And I'm like, you guys are giving me a, like a medal? What? And it's the most inspiring and humbling thing altogether because they're thanking you and you're just like, for a job that I wouldn't, I don't know that I would sign up to, to do what they do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so those shows are amazing. And I mean, the last small, the last base I just did in January of this year, I was in Iraq and we did Camp Gary Owen, which is 300 meters from the Iran border. And we had maybe 50 some, it's 120 soldiers. And there's probably about 35 or 40 in this little tent. And most of them, that's the other thing about the small bases. If it's infantry, they're mostly like 18 to 25. Whoa. The bigger bases, you got a lot more career people and stuff like that. But I mean, 18 to 25 year olds. And they're like, first time away from home. Oh, my first comedy show ever was watching you Jesus guys, Christ. you know, without a microphone in a tent in a mess hall. But I can imagine that it probably, you know, and, and again, I, I, I don't presume to understand anything about what this is like. But when I think about, well, if I were in that situation, any connection I had to home would be a very welcome. So to have you come over yeah. and have these guys come over and feel a, an actual connection to my home, um, I would probably be pretty overwhelmed 
by it's that. I'm guessing. The coolest it's the coolest thing. Like they're the laughter and their response and you know, I mean you, you gotta go really dirty too, which is great though. And they're you know, you're making jokes about whacking off because that's they're doing a lot of that. You know what yeah. I mean? Is there any stuff that they say you can talk about? Like Well it's the only like... thing they ever said was you just can't make fun of the president. That's it? Like he's the commanding officer. He's the chief. You yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but like, uh, like that's it. There's no. It's like it's like you know, sex stuff will get him riled up too much, or no. talking about like drinking will make him miss drinking and get. No, huh? I mean, I mean, one base. You know, Scott Kennedy told a story. He was at one base, and the commanding officer was a very, uh, he was very like devout Christian, and he was like, Scott, I just don't want, I don't want dirty language and this, that, and the other thing. And Scott, you know, handled it very well. He goes, Look, sir, I'll. It's your base. I'll do whatever you want. But just so you know, I just want you to know I've done a lot of these shows and I'm here for the enlisted guys. And I'm just here to, you know, I think it's for them. I'm doing the show for them. You know, and Scott basically had this great conversation with the guy and got the guy to go, all right, I see your point. And so that's that was one instance. But, but sir, I am curious. Do you think... <clears throat> Why do you think Bush is on God's dick all the time? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> the fuck? Get the fuck! Like, you just hear fucking, just fucking lock and load. Yeah. You just everything at once. Yeah. You, just, fucking, you just look down and just see red laser dots on yeah. you, just bouncing <laughs> around. <laughs> <and> you're just <laughs> glowing red, solid <laughs> red. How many lasers? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He uh, he wandered off the base yeah. and uh, so many bullets hit him at once. He never existed. <laughs> we, he never it's like existed. he walked into a ball of bullets. I don't know what happened. I guess he was Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, like content, they don't you know. And and it's, it's I mean, yeah, these guys are getting shot at every day. There's probably very little you can say. Yeah. They're going to be like, hey, come on. What are you going to offend them with? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. I and I I. I've made a personal choice of I'm not going to really get into my personal politics. I'm fairly liberal in a lot of my politics, but I was like, they don't need to hear this shit. They're living it. Well, first of all, you know what I mean, and they first of all, politics out there though. They don't need, they don't need to be any more mentally challenged. Yeah. Well, I don't mean mentally. What did you say? Do you, do you remember what you said to make that guy smile? I don't know. Whatever thing from my act. I think I went just Be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I said the even flow song. I don't know. I did whatever dick joke I could pull out. Haha, <laughs> get it? Ah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And then the the, the, the platoon leader was a, or unit leader, I guess, was a, she was a, a woman and she was like, you know, cleaning her nails with this vicious fucking marine knife. <laughs> and then she's like, you know, Johnson, pop smoke. And he pops a smoke canister. And then we hop out of the Humvee and we rode in an Osprey, which is those, they're a fixed wing aircraft where the, the propellers go. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they can land like a helicopter. Yep. So that thing drives in me, and then it, and then it's like it's super loud. It's like out of a movie, and they're like, "Hey, thanks for coming to the show." <laughs> You're like, "You got it." Mm. And then you jump. Are you this... on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I sign up for your mailing list? <laughs> At Graham Elwood on Twitter. Um, so then you get in this thing, and then you fly away, and they're they're flying with the back door down. The back door, the bay door. That bay door is down, and the base just gets smaller, and you're just like. Probably never going to see these guys again. Jesus Jeez. Christ. And it was just like, and every show is that intense. Like wow. this, that kind of experience where you shake someone's hand and you look them in the eye and you're like, maybe never going to see them again. It's, it's un, it's unbelievable. It's, 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 I'm so honored I got to go over there. And I had a very emotional experience when they were talking about the Iraq war ending. I'm, I'm glad that it's over and it just brought up all this stuff. 
And I'm very fortunate I got to go there. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to go to Iraq again. I hope that country rebuilds itself. I hope I can visit it as a tourist in 20 years. I mean, there's commercial flights to Hanoi. I hope I get to go to Baghdad as a tourist someday. Yeah. It's, you know, and I, I want to go to Afghanistan, but because of a, a lot of downed aircraft that happened over the summer, they're sort of limiting a lot of the... Um, Enter the tours, the entertainment over to Afghanistan, which like I hope I get to go there soon. So, so the, is this all in? Uh, is this the, the, the Afghanistan DVD? The Afghanistan actually, it's a, it's a pay what you think is fair download. Okay, you can get it comedyfilmnerds.com, and so you can get it for as cheap as a penny. Um, and because I just want people. That's to not see fair. It. That's Come not on, fair. guys. Pony up a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> at least at least a nickel. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I just want people to see it, and uh, I've been starting to do some free sh I have on schedule to start doing some free shows at bases um, here in the States. Like when I'm performing in some town, I'll just add on a free show at a base just just to, to do more more of that stuff. So it's, uh, yeah. Have you already inquired about doing bases in Hawaii just so you can go I'm surf? I'm doing Schofield Base You're December Schofield. 3rd, bitch. Going to be surfing all week. Air Force Base. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the best beach is on the uh, K-Bay, the Marine Base in Kaneohe. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to get that. Base. Yeah, North Beach. I'm trying to get that. Yeah. So, Big surfer, this guy. Big surfer, yeah. loves it, Severin. But you're in good, you're in, Graham. You're in good shape. I always say that. That Graham, that Graham Elwood. Look at those guns. Uh, you yeah. like it? You want a taste? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want a taste. Yeah. I do. Um, I do. That does. You, you know, want a taste. Okay, I got two meals for you: yeah. lunch <laughs> and dinner. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can eat, bitch. Uh, <laughs> you finish that, you get dessert. <laughs> bam, bam, <laughs> pointing at balls. It's an audio podcast. We have to. Just a dick on your face. So some crazy stories about all those kids out in the war zone. Tell us about your movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I love yeah, it's you guys, both of you have been on it. Matt will have you on it. It's yeah. you know, it's I'm sure there's many um film nerd fans that listen to your guys' show. It's a great podcast. It's Had a blast. Fun. It's it's like and this is the thing, and I know you know this, I love having this conversation with other podcasters. Like, podcasting has been so cool for all us comics to just say whatever we want, do whatever we want. And, and Chris Mancini and I are just like, we just like talking about movies. I think that goes back to what Chris was saying about, like, just the complete honesty, like, comic, that people like to see comics being honest. And what more, you can't get more honest than just a, a, a comic or two. Well, on a microphone by also, themselves. Yeah, and also, but you know, with stand-up, there's a very obviously there's a very specific structure <laughs> that you have to get that honesty out. There's a very yeah. specific way that you have to present that material. I mean, everyone's a little bit different, obviously. I mean, I'm I'm not I feel like an idiot explaining how fucking stand-up works, but I mean, <laughs> just the idea of podcasts is you can you can just talk, you can just talk, and you don't have to worry about like. All right, you know this. There's like 30 seconds where there's no beat in there, and I yeah. have to like build in the so it just carries through because people are staring at me from the audience, you know. But there seems yeah. to be a lot of people that just want to hear, you know, comics just talk in general. I, yeah. Because, you know? Again, no, you know, you're right. It is the honesty, and I and I've had this conversation with like numerous people, like Marin and and Pardo and stuff, and I think and uh, Greg Barrett, like they're hearing us talk honestly. They know we're not being filtered by a network or whatever. You know what I mean? Advertisers or, or uh, studio or anything like that. It's going, oh, you can't say that. We're, we're saying whatever we want. And they're, you know, we, we all have our opinions and our rants. And, and I think they love that shit. Well, I love, I mean, I always, the, what I love about podcasting is that, you know, all those times you sit backstage at shows or at, like UCB or shows in New York, like, and, and comics are just hanging out and you're just talking about shit. I mean, comics, 
you know, almost more than any other profession, it is the job of the comedian to dissect things. And so that's all we do backstage is just fucking yeah. take shit apart and figure it out and open shit up and, and try to, you know, do you feel this way about this? Did you think this? And then what about this? And, you know, and then, I mean, that that's all it is. And so that's why I think, you know, like uh, I think a lot of comics are some of the most interesting people that I enjoy talking to because they, they're, they're very well versed at expressing themselves. I'm not saying that they're any more intelligent than anyone else, but it's just that some people don't have the skill set to, uh, op- you know, to express those things in quite that way. That's exactly it. It's, ex- it's, it's we say the things that everyone's thinking. You know that maybe that a lot of people are thinking, but maybe haven't quite, like you said, gotten the thought into a cohesive or set. just articulated yeah, it in a certain way. Or pussy like, fart. That's yeah, just pussy an fart. Exactly. Finally, exactly. someone had the. Cur- you're very brave. Yeah, I was in my you. head. I was like, quaff or kawoof or no, 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 figure no. it out. And then you made it. Put a bow on it. <laughs> pussy fart. <laughs> then um. But like Lenny Bruce said it, he goes, we all, you know, comics have to have a built-in uh, bullshit detector. That's our other thing, too, is we all kind of go, what the, f- wait a minute. Like, yeah. that's a big part of any comedian's, whatever your style is, is there's some aspect of you looking at something and going, who's the asshole that did that? You right. know? <laughs> What's the genius that came up with that ad campaign? Who are the ad wizards? Who's, who's, the, who's the McGriddles? Stand that Up and Win? With... Was that Stand Up and Win? I think so, yeah, yeah. Stand up and win. Those are SNL, the Seinfeld uh, game show that they did like in the oh, 90s. Right. Like, yeah. stand up and who are the who are And everyone was doing Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. Which apparently that's what the scene was like back in the day. <laughs> I, I would imagine. I would imagine it would be. Comedy is definitely. And that's why it's so fascinating to me to look back at guys in the 80s during the comedy boom, you know, who were actually doing insanely honest stuff i mean you know guys like bill hicks and dana gould and 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 carlin and you know uh who weren't just up there to be like look at me i'm a dancing (laughs) monkey i'm gonna distract you so you buy chicken wings you know like they actually were (laughs) i was watching a young comedian emo fucking emo is awesome god damn is he funny so good his fucking jokes he is a what such an amazing joke writer yeah you get mad when you're listening to emo phillips's jokes because he starts with the premise and you're like all right, I probably mm-hmm. and then he comes from an angle where you're like, where the uh, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I did know. you get that yeah. from? I know. Like, and at the same time, going, you're fucking dark. You're yeah. fucking oh, man. crazy. I know. Don't let his don't let his wacky voice fool you. He's yeah. a, a smart and very dark dude. Yeah. Like it, God, his shit is so great. Hmm. I love listening. What to was him. the What was the one joke he did at FYFS? Where it's like, uh, Mike, uh, I was on a date with the girl and she got angry when I didn't open the car door for her. But I was just too busy swimming to the surface. It's <laughs> <laughs> an awesome joke. Yeah, it's amazing It's so great. And you God think it's going it. to be this. It's like you said, Chris, it starts out as this like, oh, it's the men and women are different. Yeah. No, letting his girlfriend die. Yeah. He's rolling <laughs> to a lake. <laughs> and he does it like the weird, he like, he just, it likes, it's like he's trying to make people uncomfortable. He's like, ah, there's a lot yeah, of that, yeah, like yeah. breathing through his teeth. I still, I'm sure I've said it on the show before, but one of my, I fucking love his joke. And he does, those, he does some of the darkest and most, at most academic jokes where he says, uh, he says, um, uh, he's at his nephew's birthday party and they had brought the cake. And then he was like, and he was like, Uncle Emo, Uncle Emo, I want to make a wish. I want to make a wish. So I picked him up by his feet and swung him around and he went, wish, wish <laughs> to teach him the dangers of homonyms. <laughs> like, Did you just write a homonym joke? <laughs> I opened for him once at the Melrose Improv. His audience w- was so smart. 
they, I was like, wow, every little, like I have, you know, you have a little throwaway references that most of the crowd doesn't get. And you just put them in there for yourself or the comics. The whole audience was laughing at every little thing in my act because his crowd, the people that were just come out to see him. You have to be smart to get that shit. To think a homonym joke is funny. Yeah, there, there were a couple guys in the 80s that you would look at and you would go like, oh, fuck, they're operating in a whole different plane. Obviously, Stephen Wright. But then also, Charlie Fleischer was fucking... Like, that guy was a goddamn math genius. Yeah. And it, and I would, you know, I would see him perform in the later parts of, the, of when he, you know, like when he kind of sort of... I don't think he still performs, but he might. I don't know. But, but just sort of, you know, the last few times I saw him perform, he just sort of... Seemed sort of resigned to the idea of like it was at the Laugh Factory and it was just like all right I I know what you guys you know yeah. all right but Roger but but a guy, but a guy yeah. who would craft an entire bit weave in crowd work and then tie it all together in some insane mathematical way at the mm-hmm. end uh, you know it was the, the 80s was an interesting time you know what I mean you had because it was it was becoming so profitable and all you had to do was hang up a sign that said comedy and you could pack a place anywhere so it bred the sticky, hacky 80s comics that we all make fun of. But then, as is always the case, there was still a handful of people who were really smart and original. Like, even Bobcat. Like, I never liked Bobcat's stage persona, but his jokes, like... Yeah. He's he, his, his, his such a good... I, I really liked his joke writing, you know what I mean? Like, and and, and, in late, and recently seeing him perform, he his stage persona, he barely does. He does it just enough. And it's the perfect mix now, you know, cause back in the eighties, you kind of had you to, to be loud. You had to be big and loud and you had to have some sort of gimmick almost to stand apart from the, from the banjo guys and the, what's up with that, man? You know, like those, yeah. the, the comic Ash the cats, guys, the, the comedy cats, the comedy cats, the, you know, the McGriddle, Mc, uh, yeah. McRib guys or whatever. Um, and, and that was, it, 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 that's why they're still, that's why they're still doing it. I mean, even like Judy Tenuta, she gets a bad rap fucking a lot. Fucking love Judy Tenuta. Judy fucking jokes Tenuta. are fucking great. She's a phenom, she was phenomenal. Yeah. That's actually, that's a trio right there of the very, like, Progressive, but also doing characters on top of good jokes. Judy Tenuta, Bobcat, Emo. But the idea that Emo and Judy Tenuta were a couple, it still blows my mind. Yeah. Which is a a fact that Blanca Patch loves to harp on. Yeah. (laughs) For the rest of it, like, Judy Tenuta. I loved Judy Tenuta. She was another one that was like, uh, like making fun of the construct. Yeah. Like it's the same sort of like see Martin Wilde and crazy guy thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can appreciate the jokes on on the surface level if you want, but there's also that level of they're rebelling against the boom. They're rebelling against yeah. the, the 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 standardized performer boom, and and fucking with it and basically saying like this is dumb and like what we're doing up here is ridiculous. <laughs> and the other thing too, like they they got, they got bad raps because the people that didn't get that they were sort of. Flipping the finger at it, yeah, helped make them very popular, yeah, and yeah. make them you know successful. So, so a lot of comics were like, "Oh, they're bullshit gimmick acts." You know, they're just they're just got some stupid stage character. And it's like, no, if you really watch them, you see exactly what you're talking about. They 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 were all kind of saying, "This is ridiculous. Why am I going to stand up there in a vest, which I used to wear?" <laughs> and uh, Todd Glass made fun of me. We talked. He and I both used to wear bad vests when I was on a show. He was like, "Oh, I got so many bad photos of vests, sweaters. I had bad sweaters. Wow, these sweaters. They're probably on the they're probably on the wall of that that Zanies in Nashville or Chicago, which has all of the like the the, the, Chicago like the, Zanies. the first headshots oh. of every comic you've ever seen ever. Yeah, they're like, look, they're just a kid. Look at that. Bobby yeah. Slayton's a little kid in this picture. Yeah. He's Called just an Robbie angry little kid. Slayton. It's funny. I uh, there's this uh, 
there's this kid the pit has, puppy of comedy, <laughs> the pit bull puppy. There's this kid, this younger kid that started doing comedy has a uh, has a pretty good show, but it's funny because he's younger than like a lot of the guys. Like now, there's like a younger generation than me, which feels weird. Um, but like he like he made a joke about the way like the older guys dress where he's like, it's like, Hey, I got a hooded sweatshirt and some new balance shoes. I guess I can be a comic in LA now. Whoa, I was that's like, Holy awesome. shit. That's fucking spot on. You nailed yeah. us. Yeah. Yes. Who was yeah. that? I remember that. Uh, I was uh, the guy who runs. I'm, I'm bummed. I can't remember his name, but he runs power violence. That great show on Sunday nights. Oh, fuck. Uh, Andy Wood? no, not Andy Wood. Who's also awesome. But, um, yeah, it's that kid who runs Power Violence, yeah. uh, who's an awesome, awesome guy. But that's like, the thing, man. As we get older, we've been doing this. Why you got to be careful that you're not falling into a whatever, whatever. Oh no, yeah. you think you're being cool, but you're not. You're being. not. Yeah, yeah. You're an old man. So who's wearing skateboard. Shoes. We have we're just a couple minutes left in, the, in this episode of the podcast, but just a really quickly, uh, fil- any, any films that uh, you recommend? Films, that, films that are coming out. You're excited uh, about or. Or just a good, how about a good deep film nerd vault watch? Like a good sort of a... Jeez. Okay, I will say, um, I love talking about this movie, 13 Assassins, because I'm a samurai movie guy, and it was just a VOD, and now I think you can get it on... uh, The DVD's available. It's an amazing... It's made by this uh, Japanese director, Takashi Maike, who's done like 50 films. And it is... It's like a classic Kurosawa-style samurai movie that came out this year like a year ago or whatever it's it's a great movie i remember hearing about it i just didn't see it 13 assassins it is awesome like put that in your nerd vault man it is it is an amazing film talking about uh asian cinema did you see um uh the shit now i'm forgetting it the devil i saw the devil no i did not see that movie but i heard it was amazing yeah yeah it's really good that came out Last year. Last year. Yeah, I heard or that. Or even, was, was it this year? Speaking of Asian cinema, did you guys see uh, Urotsuki Doji, the <laughs> demon city where the uh, the demons uh, uh, rape people until they explode? Speaking of Asian cinema, did you guys see Dark City? <laughs> Sleep now. I always love that read on that line. Say, okay, so the characters have to be weird and humanoid. But they have weird cadence. Sleep now. And Kiefer Sutherland doing his best Renfield. Um, and 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 the the people um, have in, um, in injected our our, our souls and, Kiefer Sutherland and our minds. I've with still never these. seen Dark City. You haven't? Oh, it's really cool. It's a fun movie. It's really fun. I mean, like, you can definitely see that there are parts where they were like. Um, this may not cut together Didn't exactly. Ebert fucking love that movie and like do the commentary track back. I love talk. I love Dark City. I I Ebert. Oh. oh, we did. Yeah, I think I think Dark City is a fun is a fun movie, and it's a, it's a cool idea. And I remember, and I remember being a kid, and the trailer played twice in a row due to some error at the theater, and I vowed never to see it. Really, as a child. Time to let it go, man. It's time to let it go. Every time I think about that movie, I always end up thinking about Children of the Lost uh, or City of the Lost Children. Oh, yeah. Which is a great, great movie. That's an excellent movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh, but Dark City. What else you want? You got your Jennifer Connelly. You got your Rufus Sewell. You got. Uh, I don't Sutherland. really go in for Jennifer Connelly movies where she's oh. not going ass to ass. It's just, it's just a, it's a personal That movie, I got it. Where people don't bad. get their arms amputated because of, uh, because of drug wounds. Yeah, or throwing up because you're pumping something with a stick. I don't know what uh, the Wayne's guy was doing in there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> the Wayne's guy. I mean, Jennifer Connelly must have done 12 to 15 ass to ass movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Labyrinth I think was Labyrinth was one of them. Yeah, yeah, Labyrinth. With Ludo. Ludo. They just went <laughs> ass to ass with yeah. that little fox ass character. To ass. <laughs> Ex- excuse me, why are you putting her? Nothing. I smell nothing. Is that a Just Muppet while Bowie, Bowie was in the back, just like doing all that Michael motion ball yeah, manipulation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Sticky balls. Ass and noodles, ass yeah. Major Tom. Mm -hmm. yeah. Put your mm. ass to ass. I'm going to fly to the Concord spit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 1980s Bowie from Labyrinth. <laughs> and your ass is shaking in a most peculiar way. And the papers want to know whose ass you wear. <laughs> <laughs> we have covered a lot of ground. Yeah. From wars to ass to ass, folks. <laughs> Everything you need at the Don't notice. worry, kiddies. You thought it was going to be all heavy, but we brought it right back yeah. around ass to ass. Buttholes save the series. <laughs> a, little but <laughs> a little butthole slit kiss to wrap out this nerdist <laughs> rock block. Yeah, when did you become a classic rock DJ? That well, was it happens. Uh, it happens more than you think. It's the hard man at the witching hour. <laughs> here's my, here's my, favorite, here's my favorite translation, least favorite. Uh, uh, classic rock jock uh, moment was <laughs> was going into it was going into uh, 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 ELO's living thing mm -hmm. and so in radio there's this thing called the post and the post is that beat right before the lyrics come in and so classic radio said you would hit the post so you'd be like you know 905 KLOS and then the music would come in and then when I worked at K-Rock in the 90s they said you absolutely do not hit the post because that's too structured, and we need to sound unstructured. So just talk until you're done talking and, and try to make it feel a little looser. Um, but so after knowing that, this always drove me so crazy. It was the beginning of uh, Living Thing. This, in, in L.A., this DJ was like, hey, uh, coming up here is ELO with Living Thing. And then you think he's done, and he's like, hey, stop talking about the contents of my fridge. It's a living thing. I was like, what did you just do? Why did you just wreak that upon humanity? Oh, oh God. Of fridge. Bad food ELO joke. I should I'll talk to someone at Sirius, and what they, they should have a channel that is just a purposely bad... Like rock DJ. Oh, that's a great that's, idea. I would just, if you're going to play those yeah, songs. Play like, the songs, but have the guy. Because oh a, a percentage of people would appreciate that, just be like, oh, it's like the old days. And then the hipsters would be like, this is fucking yeah, awesome. Exactly. Is, oh, my God. A whole remember, channel, like even the morning zoo. Yeah. It's like a parody Dude, When I first was on the road and would drive through some small Midwestern town, and that's all the radio stations I would get, I would listen to those guys at fucking three in the morning. That's why I said hard man at the witching hour, because I heard a guy say that once in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> this is whatever his name was. He was like, this is. You know, Captain Mike at the Witching Hour. Oh, There's little Molly Hatchets. All yeah. right, or whatever. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's fog. That guy. That I'm guy's sorry. wearing a denim vest with a fucking. His <laughs> never shaved. Some stinky radio room with like a pair of panties that it. A, a, the one a that skull looks like, ring with turquoise oh, eyes. It's, oh. it's the it's the radio station from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Or it's just <laughs> yeah, the really yeah. shitty yeah. Texas yes, backwoods yes. radio station. That's it. That's the yeah. witching hour. Oh, all right. So, Afghanistan comedy film nerds at Graham Elwood on, Just on the tweets. Just go to GrahamElwood.com. GrahamElwood.com. You can get everything. Afghanistan, the podcast, uh, comedy film nerds, all my Twitter, Facebook, everything at GrahamElwood.com. Uh, when are you going to release an album, uh, 21 Grams? 21 Grams is coming out next year. <laughs> Actually, my new CD is coming out the soon. The way to Palm five Strike nickels. Dance Party. <laughs> What is it? Palm Strike Palm, Dance Party? Palm Strike Dance Party. Right. Oh. I recorded a dancing, a dance, a club dance song with your partner, Mike, Mike Furman. Oh, that's... Oh, Natasha that's, Leggero. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to hear that. It's, it's not ready yet? Not yet. Shit. Soon. Get on it, Furman! <laughs> no, Furman. It's not Furman. He's done. It's me. I'm the idiot. <laughs> Get on it, Elwood! Get on it, Elwood! You son of a... All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here, Graham Elwood. Thank you, man. And uh, to everyone in the States and overseas... Fighting for uh, fighting for America, fighting for the bigger cause. I say, enjoy your burrito, everybody. It's a living thing.
Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.